guys, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful perspective of the scriptures that we hope will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you are learning to others. We are Krista and Zach Horton, your hosts, and we're grateful to be back here this week for another episode. Um, we're going to be studying in Philippians and Colossians this week this week, today, right now. Um, We're on episode 40 in this Come Follow Me study that we've been doing. So our episodes are obviously a little off from that as far as numbers go, but that's where we're at. We have 10 episodes left, um, 10 weeks of study left this year, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's going by fast. Yeah. Um, To start off this week, we just thought it would be kind of fun with this break that we took um, last week, we missed you all from our, our week off of recording, <laughs> um, but we just thought it would be fun maybe to give some of our highlights from our our general conference weekend. We hope you had a lovely general conference weekend um, as well last, last week. So we're going to start off with that, and then we'll get into the study. So there were a lot. This is I, my... Yeah. This conference, I approached with more personal questions than I have any conference in the past. I think I needed this conference. And so it's hard for me to pick my favorite because there were so many that as I went in with my own personal question, um, I really felt like spoke to me. But one that uh, I wanted to bring out that I, I just thought maybe... As I was listening to it, it spoke to me, but I thought I, this one might get ignored, <laughs> not for any negative reason, but because there were so many great other talks by uh, more visible general authorities. This is Elder Budge, and um, one of the the quote that he said that has kind of rung in my ears over and over is, uh, "Our trials and afflictions make space for greater joy." And we'll talk a little more about that in this episode, but. Uh, he told the story of the brother of Jared and used that to illustrate how uh, this great journey they had to take across the ocean was filled with trials and hardships and afflictions, and that made it possible for them to receive a promised land. They can either stay where they are, or they can go through this difficult journey to get to somewhere even better. Um, I was, Krista was away this weekend, and so I was Jody Mooring. Uh, I say it. I was listening to Jody Moore podcasts, and uh, one of hers that she talked about is the River of Misery, where she shares a similar idea that if you're in the pond of misery, things aren't going so well. The only way to get out of it is to swim up the River of Misery, which is actually harder and more difficult and more miserable sometimes than the pond, but it's the one that leads you to the shore. And so I love the idea that um, sometimes it's when we're going through something really, really hard that that's the moment when we actually find or make space for greater joy. So that was my that was my highlight. Jody Mooring is a podcast he was listening to. Maybe that's a little more <laughs> explanation. But yes, I love that. I love. I think that's such a cool principle for us, and actually really applies to what we're going to talk about today. Don't mm-hmm. you think? Um, so my conference highlight, and actually I think you probably yours Zach yeah. too, was. For the first time, why have we not done this before? We colored the ties. We matched the ties. We did it for our kids, and then we're like, that actually looks really fun. I want to color the ties, too. So we did that, and then we wrote down the topics next to their picture about what they what they spoke about. And I feel like it just kind of gave this good 
quick general highlight of what everyone was talking about. And our kids really like that too. Um, anyway, we have some fun things that we do along with conference too, but that one I think was the highlight probably for our whole family. Um, but some of my favorite talks and probably because we studied Ephesians last week, there was, I was kind of doing little shouts of joy when anyone would quote the, those Ephesian chapters, Elder Bednar did. Um, and then a couple others. And then Mark L. Pace, the Sunday School General President, um, said something that I just loved. And because last week we were talking about kind of that battle and the the counterattacks and these strategies, I felt like Elder Bednar's, Bednar's talk on cheetahs was really all about that, right? Um, and then the this quote that I wrote down from Elder Pace was, or President Pace, is that what you call the Sunday sure. School? sure um he said come follow me is the lord's counter strategy and plan of attack and i just yes right i just think that um as we're talking about these battles especially last week in ephesians as we studied i just couldn't help but think like the scriptures are so much of that they are not only um the strategy but they're our plan of attack too and um just feeling grateful to have this very purposeful come follow me study and that we get to be here with you studying along and helping. I, we love hearing, um, just what your come follow me study is doing and maybe a small role that we play hopefully in just getting you started, um, in a study of the scriptures, because that is where your own personal strategy and plan of attack comes. And I think generally speaking for your family and groups and, um, we just love the scriptures. Yep. Maybe that's where I'm going to end with that one. Uh, we'd love to hear your general conference highlights. And if you're new to the podcast, we always love to answer questions at the beginning of the episode. So if you have questions about the scriptures or questions about other topics, we love having that focus to drive us through. So uh, when you see this episode posted on Instagram, share your general conference highlights, uh, message us with your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we, um, we'll get back to that next week. We just couldn't help but talk a little conference this week. So um, like I said, this week we are getting started into Philippians and Colossians. To start this episode, I want to tell lame jokes that Krista didn't want me to tell, but I'm going to tell them anyway. Lame jokes is your jam. It's my jam. <laughs> um, these are bad news, good news jokes. So bad news. Guy falls out of an airplane. Good news, he has a parachute. Bad news, the parachute doesn't work. Good news, there's a haystack down below. Bad news, there's a pitchfork in the haystack. Good news, he missed the pitchfork. Bad news, he missed the haystack. (laughs) Good one. Uh, um, One of the cardinals walks in and tells the Pope, I have bad news and good news. And the Pope says, well, give me the good news first. The Cardinal says, the good news is uh, that the Lord is on the phone for you. And the Pope says, that's wonderful. What's the bad news? The Cardinal says, the bad news is he's calling from Salt Lake City, Utah. (laughs) (laughs) That that one's actually kind of funny. That was pretty funny. (laughs) Um, I think I like these jokes, uh, A, because I like dumb jokes. But I also think there's something relatable in bad news, good news, in that we are all very familiar, obviously, with good news, but we're also very familiar with bad news, and we're familiar with the fact that sometimes, quite often, they go together, that with a bad news, there's a good news, and with a good news, there's a bad news. 
In our study this week, uh, there's both bad news and good news. And Paul's really good at this. He's done this in a lot of the epistles that he's written. But here in Philippians, uh, you have to kind of read between the lines. In verse 13, he speaks about his bonds and a palace. My bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. What's going on is Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians from prison. That's the bad news. In fact, in verse 20, uh, at the end of the verse, he says, um, that his he hopes that Christ shall be magnified whether in Paul's life or by his death. And so there's even a hint that uh, he's in prison with the potential conviction that he could be put to death, which eventually will happen later on in his ministry. So that's the bad news. The good news, though, is this. Listen to these verses again, starting in verse 12 in chapter 1. I would... That you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. In other words, there's a good news to his bad news. He's in prison, uh, but he's able, A, in the prison to spread the word of Christ, and Uh, he's getting word that people are emboldened by the fact that Paul persists through his trials and even his imprisonment to share the gospel. And so they're more willing to share the gospel as well. Now, we have looked at bad news, good news in episodes before. Both of our episodes in 2 Corinthians were about similar things where Paul would make this list of trials that he was going through. We had an episode called Grown. Uh, And we ask the question, why is it that Paul is so happy, even though all of these bad things are happening to him? And and why can we be happy? And then the second episode was Thorn, and that was Paul talking about specific problems, that weaknesses that he was facing, um, and how he approached those weaknesses. So we've been here before. Uh, In fact, one of the quotes we read in one of those episodes was President Nelson's Saints can find joy in every circumstance, and that quote shows up in the Come Follow Me curriculum for Philippians. So there's a lot of thematic ties, um, but we wanted to look at this episode a little bit differently. Instead of asking why questions, we wanted to ask some how questions. Specifically, how can I deal with bad news in my everyday life? How can I approach these difficulties or trials that come to me? And how can I find um, joy, or how can I create joy or rejoicing? How can I create good news in my everyday life? Which, speaking of general conference, I'm sure we weren't the only ones that felt that. I think that quote from President Nelson that you mentioned, probably at least two or three oh, yeah. talks. So that's the quote that, like he said, is in the Come Follow Me manual this week about um, joy in all, finding joy in all circumstances, which is just really unique to this study. I think that we find in these, you will probably read, and if you're like me, you read through and then highlight, kind of color in those verses that you like. And there's a lot of these in here. There's those beautiful one-liners from Paul where you just can't help but love what he's saying. Um, but I think the thing that we thought here is too, we've talked a lot of, like Zach said, we've talked a lot about that, but how do we make this more practical? Because isn't that always the question we have? I love this. I love Paul saying this. I love this. But how do we make that really practical? 
And so maybe that's the question that you look at as you think of Paul, who is a real person experiencing these very real things. And we've learned about him um, in as we've studied these letters. And here he is in another difficult place. But here he is um, speaking of this joy and rejoicing and um, contentment and these good feelings that he feels. So I think it'll be it'll be fun to study this today. So that actually kind of leads us right into that first question that Zach has already talked about. But um, Paul teaches us in Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 11. Um, So this answering this practical question of how can I face difficulties or the bad news in my everyday life. And I here's a a one-liner that you for sure heard, but starting in 4 verse 11, I don't say this out of need for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. And that's saying a lot, right? We know what he's been through. Verse 12, I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. And in this, I see... And maybe you're, I love the King James Version. Will you read that? The The language there is really pretty too. The, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Okay. Well, no, I was talking about the, like the abased or oh, abounding. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. I know how to be full and I know how to be hungry. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens yeah, me. Yeah, so that, that kind of that teeter-totter is kind of what I'm picturing. But then he tells us what his center is. Mm-hmm. He tells us that... Um, the secret of being content is focusing on him who strengthens him, who Jesus, who is Jesus Christ. That center of his of his contentment comes from um, knowing what is centered. We talk about that centering all the time too, right? And here he is talking about that. So maybe I guess a question for you, and maybe Zach, I'm just going to throw this on you, but like, what is a practical way to center on Jesus Christ? Or what do you think Paul does well, to center and to know that Christ is that middle? And you and I were talking about this. I, the The image that comes to my mind, have you ever seen the Disney movie Inside Out? Um, I don't know if a Disney movie has ever spoken more to me than in the scene where um, the, oh, what's his name? Bing Bong has just lost his rocket ship. If you've never seen this movie, then this sounds completely ludicrous to you. But he's just lost his rocket ship and Joy comes over and he's really sad and she's trying to cheer him up. She's trying to make it better. She's trying to joke with him and it just isn't working. And then sadness comes over and sits next to him and is just sad with him. And I realized, oh my gosh, in my life, I never do that with my kids. I'm always trying to make him happy or tickle him out of being sad or, you know, pick him up. And part of the message that was sent there was it's okay to be sad. And I think that's part of what Paul is saying is I'm content that sometimes life has bad news. Sometimes I'm hungry. Sometimes I have very little, and that's just part of life. And I don't need to fix it. That just part, that's part of what it is. And having a relationship with Christ gives me the confidence and the the, the, the contentment. Right. I like that that word pops up a few times in these. Chapters. So so that's what I think of, and I that's been a really helpful thought to me personally to realize when I'm going through something difficult, I don't have to try and fix it necessarily. Sometimes I just have to reach out and know that Christ is with me in that difficult moment and it'll pass, but it's part of life. 
in fact, that um, that connects really well to the verses that I found. This is back in chapter three. I've I've always loved this phrase in verse eight. Uh, Doubtless, I can count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is God by faith. And then this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made comfortable unto his death. I'll try and find it. Elder Maxwell used that phrase in one of his talks, the fellowship of Christ's suffering. Um, that there is a camaraderie, a, a, a brotherhood, a, a familyness in feeling a little bit of what Christ felt. He went through it so that he can feel it for us, and, and I went, I go through it so that I can understand him a little bit. Um, I, I learned something about the Savior's atonement this week that I don't know if I've ever fully understood. And as I was studying, um, just in preparation for this episode, this came to mind. This is in Matthew 27. When the Savior's on the cross, we know the verse where he cries out in Greek first, and then, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He suffered a lot, but that's the final thing, according to Matthew, the final thing that he says. And then down in verse 50, Matthew records that when he had cried again a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. Joseph Smith's translation adds that when he cried again in a loud voice, saying, Father, it is finished, thy will is done, then he yielded up the ghost. The thought that struck me was, his atonement was not finished until he felt complete loneliness. I love that thought because in the times when I feel lonely, I have felt that he can comfort me. He doesn't take the loneliness away. He doesn't always solve the problem. He doesn't heal the hurt. He doesn't heal the injury or the disease. But he's there with me through it. There's a fellowship in suffering. He paid a price so that he can be with me in my trials. So when I'm going through my difficulties, sometimes it's not looking for the solution. It's just looking for the Savior. And isn't that... I mean, to me, I feel like that's about as practical as it becomes, is that really allowing Christ to be a part of your suffering, of your difficulties, because isn't that what he invites us to do over and over and over again? I think we've talked about and read those scriptures over and over in um, these last few months studying in the New Testament. And I think that's, that's what that's what we're invited and wanted to do. That's what the Savior wants us to do and what he invites us to do. So maybe that's some ideas in dealing with that bad news or the difficulties. So the next question, how can I find or create rejoicing or good news um, in just in the everyday life? Um, and so we can't not read these verses. Um, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, um, and we have a hymn after this, so maybe I'll sing it. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Um, let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Um, I, I, I guess I can't help but think some of the words, and I think this was from conference a few times, but these, that idea of 
awake uh, and arise. And we talked about it last last week too in Ephesians when we talked about like, you know, stand up and arise up. The Book of Mormon says that over and over again. And the rejoicing to me kind of has that same, you know, widen your shoulders, raise up your arms, rejoice in who God is. And um, Zach mentioned earlier that I was gone this weekend. I had an awesome opportunity to um, hike the Grand Canyon rim to rim. It was pretty amazing and a lot more beautiful and about as hard as I thought it would be. (laughs) But um, one of the thoughts that I kept having, and maybe it's because I had these verses in my mind a little bit, was um, we can get really caught up in the everyday and I'm using this hiking analogy of just putting your one foot in front of the other over and over again. And that can feel hard and monotonous. And that's how life gets sometimes. Um, but sometimes we need that reminder. And I actually had to remind myself a few times, like, wait, look up, look up, rejoice, wake up out of this like monotony of putting your feet down and remember the beauty that's around you. Remember those good things. I mean, that's why we have all these gratitude practices and why it's so important to have that is rejoicing in what we do have even amongst the monotony and the step after step after step that life sometimes feels like. If you're not careful, you could get stuck looking in the muddy water at the bottom of the canyon and forget that you're in the most beautiful canyon on the planet Earth and, yeah. and that you chose to do this, right? <laughs> that's, yeah, as hard exactly. as it may be. Mm-hmm. Um. The answer that I found to this comes actually from the next book, which is the book of Colossians, the letter that that Paul writes to the Colossians. And um, there's not a whole lot of information on what might be going on uh, to which Paul is writing this epistle, but it most likely is something like this. This is chapter two, verse eight. Paul says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Um, A lot of Bible scholars have commented they think there might be some kind of like spiritual shaman that have come in and they're trying to preach healing and help without Christ. Uh, And Paul's efforts here in this little brief epistle is to show that all healing and all help comes from Christ. There is no other way. And so um, verses 18 and 19, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with their increase of God. In other words, uh, don't get distracted if someone's trying uh, to heal ligaments or random parts of the body. Don't forget that the head of the body is Christ and that it's from that head that all healing and help and nourishment flows. Paul gives this wonderful list in the beginning of Uh, of the epistle in chapter one, where he just lists everything that Christ has done for us, starting in about, I think it's verse 13, all the way to verse 21, uh, where he just lists over and over everything that this God has done for his people. Um, And so my thought was, how do you find joy? Um, It's looking for Christ in the healing, in the miracles, in the help. It's sometimes hard, uh, not hard, it's sometimes easy to overlook the fact that Yes, I paid my tithing and this blessing came. 
and not recognize that the blessing came at the hand of God. Or I said this prayer and the thing that I prayed for actually happened and forget that God was the one that actually did the answering of the prayer. And so just looking for Christ in those healings and in those moments for me can create a lot of joy and happiness. And maybe an answer to both of these comes in Colossians. We see um, Paul's writing of who he knows Jesus Christ is. And this starts in chapter 1, verse 15. And Zach already referenced these verses. Um, But starting, he says, I won't read them all, but he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Um, When you picture Paul writing this as his testimony, and they go on, and you can read those as you see um, who Jesus Christ is to Paul. And I think that he can feel this joy and this contentment, like I, we mentioned before, because he's centered. He knows who his Savior is. This is who Paul puts at the center of um, what he does. In fact, he he goes on um, later on in verse in chapter 1, verse 22 and he 23 and he talks about being grounded and steadfast in the faith in Jesus Christ and then in chapter 2 verse um, 7 he talks about being rooted and built up in him Um, and he is rooted in something very deep and he tells us what that is in that testimony that he gave and so something I thought of is sometimes um, that's what we need to be reminded of is do you know who Jesus Christ is to you? Um, I thought a powerful thing actually that I'm hoping to do this week with this study is go through and write out who Jesus Christ is to me, just like Paul did in those verses, um, so that I can go back and remember how rooted I am in him or maybe why I am. Um, I think we can find a lot of um, joy and rejoicing in um, not just thinking of who Jesus Christ is in this very big way, or maybe what others think, but what we know to be true. And maybe that comes in a different way than we see Paul writing. He writes these concrete things, and you might have that too. Or maybe it's these experiences that you come back to when you have doubt, or when you're you're in difficult circumstances. Maybe you write about what Jesus Christ has done for you. Um, But I know that for me, as I've done that um, in difficult times that I'm, I've felt that joy in Jesus Christ by knowing not who he is to other people, but who Jesus Christ is for me. And I think that can make it really practical in our lives um, to know that he is real and he is there for each one of us. Thank you so much for studying with us this episode. Remember to send us your questions, your comments if you're new to the podcast. We'd love if you gave us a follow and a like on social media uh, and gave us ratings on your podcast app that you're using. It helps the podcast get spread to more people. And we will see you next episode.